So let's uh, welcome him straight up here, Francis. Thanks, so good to be with you guys today. Um, a warm up here. I, I actually have no idea who these guys are. I've never even watched a football match. Um, I was just told to wear the shirt and that it was non offensive because they're not very good, so they're not really a threat to anyone. <laughs> I, I just repeat what I'm told. Um, let, me, uh, let me just start off sharing a little bit about myself. Like, like, uh, like Joel said, I'm a pastor in San Francisco. Um, But I had a really, really crazy lifestyle. I mean, a childhood, I should say. Um, my mother actually died when she was giving birth to me. And so it's a crazy thought to think that this woman gave her life so I could be on this earth. Um, but then my dad remarried. And then when I was about eight years old, um, my stepmother died in a car accident. She went off of a bridge. And then my dad got married again. And then uh, when I was about 12 years old, my dad died of cancer. And that was, that was crazy. And so when I, when I was in middle school, is that what you guys call it? Junior high, middle school? What do you call it? <laughs> Secondary school? Like, and then there's high school, right? You guys call it high school? Sigroid? Sigroid. And uh, I can't tell what you're saying. Do you understand me? Because I don't understand you. Um, when I, we call it high school. Okay, let's just call it high school. Why don't we just start a new trend here? Um, so by the time I was in, in uh, Sigroid, uh, I'm, uh, I'm just trying to figure out life, right? Because, you know, my mom died, my stepmother died, my dad died. My closest relatives, um, my aunt and uncle, uh, they actually got in a fight when I was in, in Sigroid. <laughs> and um, someone tell me what it really... Six? Form? Six form. Thank you. Thank you. Six form is what we would call high school. No. Oh, C form. <laughs> this is okay. Sixth form is what in America we would call high school. Yes. Why are they saying no and you're saying yes? College. Oh, you guys call it college? <laughs> so we have primary school. Primary school, we have that. That's up to about 11. Okay, that's good, that's fair. Secondary school. Secondary school. So 11 to 18. Oh, really? Right. And then, call it 11 to 16, and then we have sick form, which is like college 16 to 18. How old were you? Okay, for, I'll just How go by age. I was like uh, 15. 
Secondary school. Secondary school. Okay, thank you, thank you. Okay. Wow. I should get a translator the next time I come to England. Um, but anyways, when I was in, uh, when I was 15. <laughs> you guys do that? Do you guys go by years? Okay, so you're 15 years old. Okay, so by the time I'm 15, my, my aunt and uncle, they got in a fight. They, these are my only close relatives now. And my, my uncle ends up murdering my aunt and sticking the gun to his own head and killing himself. So this is what I'm thinking when I'm 15. Man, so, so you know, that's, that's a weird upbringing, just, just seeing death. And I, I'll never forget, man, when I was, was about eight years old and, and I'm at my own mother, my stepmother's funeral, and when they put her body into the ground, I don't care how tough you are or whatever else, there's something that's just terrifying. When the person you know who had been raising you is now... They're, they're, they're lowering her body into the ground. And then it, then it happens again, you know, when I'm 12 and I'm watching my dad. And, and I had a terrible relationship with my dad. I never had a conversation with him, you know, never, never had a hug, nothing. Never, I love you, none of that. But still, as a 12-year-old, you, you just hate to watch this. It was still horrible. And so I just began searching. I started going, man, what is this life all about? I mean, is that it? What, what, what happened? You know, I'd go to bed at night going, what, what happens? Like he just dies, he gets buried. Is that just the end of him? Is that the end of dad? Is that the end of mom? What happens there? And I began to search for God when I was about your age because I had to figure out what happens afterwards. And I began to study, look into different things, different belief systems. Some people encouraged me to really study the Bible. I was challenged to look at this book. And when I began reading it and looking at the prophecy in there and, and things that were, were told ahead of time and, 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 and all these thoughts about Scripture, I started to believe it. And then I started to pray. And when I would pray, things would happen. Like amazing things. That, that's when I began to understand there's someone else out there. It's not just about this life. And so for the last 35 years, I'm turning 50 this year. I mean, ever since I was 15 and <laughs> clapping because I'm turning 50. That's good. Thank you. It was hard. I remember I was 48 and 49. Anyways, um, but... You guys, over the years, man, I've experienced God in such a real way. I, I can't even tell you. I mean, I look back at my life. I'm actually grateful now. I'm actually grateful that my parents died. I, because here's what it did for me. It made me think about life a little more seriously. I mean, I think about when I put my kids to bed, I don't just assume like tomorrow's going to happen. In fact, sometimes, you know, when I'm speaking, they'll, they'll put a timer up here for me. And I don't know if there is one here anywhere. But usually there's a timer that counts down like, man, you know, you've got 30 minutes left, 29, 28, you know. And sometimes I'll look at that clock and I'll think to myself, okay, what if that was a countdown of my life? Man, then what would I say? What would I really say to you if I knew I only have 28, 27 minutes left and then I'm going to stand before him? And I go, what would I say to you? 
because this, this is real to me. I've had friends who have died while they were preaching. And so I don't just assume, oh, I'm going to get up there, give a little talk, and then I'm going to get off the stage. No, I've lived my whole life thinking, man, this could be the end, and I'm going to stand before him. And what will he think of what I said last? And will I really tell you everything that's on my heart, or will I care too much about what you think about me? Man, I take every breath. In fact, right now, do this for me. Take the deepest breath you can right now. Now let it go. Do you realize you were only able to do that because someone allowed you to? Like God determines whether, he gives me another one. I'm not in control of this. He gave me another one. And at any moment he can stop that. At any moment. And literally I've had friends while they're up here pass away and stand before God. And so I, I take this very seriously. In fact, I remember one time, there was this friend of mine, he was at a funeral. He was at a funeral, and he was giving a eulogy, you know, talking about the person who died. And he looks at this crowd, and he decides, you know what, I'm going to tell these people about how to get to heaven. So he starts explaining to them, look, I know this person who's in this coffin, and I know he's going to heaven because I remember the day when he recognized his own sinfulness and how he started to believe that Jesus died on that cross for his sins. And he explained how to get to heaven, and then he pointed to the crowd, and he says, look, you never know when God is going to take your life. And at that moment, there's nothing you can do about it. Are you ready? And then he said it again. He looks at the crowd at the funeral. He goes, you never know the moment when God is going to take your life. And at that moment, there's nothing you can do about it. Are you ready? Then he sits down, falls over, and dies. In the middle of the funeral. I mean, it was, you know, so I, his sons are there. His sons are trying to bring him back to life. Paramedics come. They try to bring him back to life. But it was his time. Man, and I remember I get a phone call in my office saying, hey, Stan just died. I'm like, wait, what happened? And they tell me the story. So I rush over to the house. And right then his wife is coming home from the funeral, and from watching her own husband die at the funeral. And all the grandkids are coming over. The sons are coming over. I remember his son getting out of the car, just crying, big guy. And and he's just going, man, friends, did you hear about my dad? And then he got the smile on his face. He goes, did you hear the story, though? He goes, my dad died sharing the gospel. Like, he died doing what he loved doing. He was talking about Jesus. And so then all these people start flooding into the home, right? And so then when I get into the house, his wife Susie's like, Francis, will you say something to us? Everyone's just crying hysterically. And they say, Francis, will you say something to us? And right then, I turn to Matthew chapter 10. I go, there's a verse I do want to read to you guys. Where Jesus says, If you will confess me on earth before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. 
But if you deny me on earth before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. And I told the people, I go, do you see what that's saying? Can you imagine what a rush it was for Stan Gerlach today? I said, think about it, you guys. One second, Stan is standing on the earth looking at a crowd of people at a funeral, and he's saying, this is who Jesus Christ is. Then one second later, he's standing before God the Father, and Jesus is going, Father, this is who Stan Gerlach is. Man! Can you imagine? I was just going, that must have been such an amazing moment. And I remember driving away from that house going, I'm going to die like that. Right? With my luck, I'm going to say something stupid and then die. You know, but I want to say, I just want to, my last words to be about telling people how amazing he is. The way that he's answered prayer. The way that he saved me. Man, I mean, I'm talking about big... Last year, okay, last year, my, my oldest daughter, she's like uh, 21 now. But last year, there was this guy in my ministry, and he's like, like my favorite guy. I just, I, he was one of our leaders, one of our pastors, and I just, he had such an amazing relationship with God. And so one morning, I just started praying to God, and I go, God, I don't know if I'm stretching the limits here, like, am I allowed to pray this, but I'm going to pray it anyways. Could you make him, like, fall in love with my oldest daughter? <laughs> Seriously, this was my prayer last year. I, I've never prayed anything like that. I've always prayed that my kids would, you know, marry someone that loves the Lord, but I never specifically go, I want this guy in my family. I, I really like him. I've got, like, a man crush on him, you know, and... Uh, but they didn't even know each other. It was just one of those things where, God, I really like this guy. Can, can I have him? And uh, <laughs> so last year in July, that kid, Justin, comes up to me. And he goes, hey, can I ask your daughter out? And I'm like, yeah, can I pay for it? You know, like, I, I and I was just like. I told him, I go, man, I, I love you. <laughs> anything, anything. Like, this was in July. They went out for the first time. Then they got married in December. <laughs> Isn't that insane? And I'm just going, God, are you kidding me? Like, you answer everything. And now I'm going to be a grandpa this December. You know, it's just like, boom, boom, boom. And, and I'm, I'm listening to stories like you just heard from, from Robert and Liz Glover, who are, are some of my heroes, and, and hearing how God worked in their lives and how he listened to them. And I'm just hearing about their faithfulness and the way that God comes through. Man, I, my life, that, that's one little example of a lifetime of... Look, a lot of great things have happened to me, but there's nothing better than when you pray something so specific and then God answers it so specifically, then you go, shut up. I just spoke to God, and he listened to me so specifically. I, I remember years ago, I, 
I was a pastor of this big church and I was so frustrated with the rich people because they would just, they would live such lavish lives and give a few dollars here or there. And I'm like, gosh, if you really believed in heaven, you really believed that this could end at any time, why won't you just give all your money away and live like a normal human? You know, like why, why would you spend so much on yourself? And I remember just praying, saying, God, would you raise up a new generation of rich people? Because I think we need wealthy people who don't care about their money and really just give it to the things that actually need, you know, our, our resources. And then at the end of the prayer, I go, I guess that guy was on the phone. No, I, at, the end of the, at the end of the prayer, I'm going, God, or make me rich. I'll give it all away. The next year, I made about a million dollars. It was, look, I've never had money. I never had money. I ended up writing one of those books, and I, I didn't even know I could write. And it became this bestseller, and I ended up making millions of dollars. And I look at my wife. I go, honey, I don't want a dime of this. We're not touching a dime. This all came from that one prayer where I told God, if, if you make me rich, I won't spend any of it. I'll give it all away. I go, we'll spend our life just going, building hospitals and schools. And, and so that's what my wife and I do. It's like, I don't want any. I drive a 20-year-old car. I get free shirts from people. I, 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 you know, I don't because, you know what? All of this is going to end any second, right? And it's not going to matter. What's going to matter is what did I do with what you gave me, with the time you gave me, with the money you gave me. Man, you guys have your whole lives ahead of you. And I'm telling you, nothing compares to knowing the one who made you, being secure in him, and having him answer your prayers to where there's this relationship with him. But so much of it started when I was in your, 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 your age. <laughs> Whatever you want to call it, in secondary school. There you go. I'm learning. I'm learning. Um, okay, but I, I want to share what changed me, okay? Because I started to believe when I was your age. And then when I was in university, right? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, I had an experience. Okay. I already called myself a Christian. Um, I was even heading into ministry. But I actually worked like a second job at the time. Um, just, just to give you an insight of what I was like. So I was already teaching the Bible a little bit. But I also had this other job where I sold um, vacuum cleaners. Is that what you guys call them? Oh. What do you call them? Hoovers. Hoovers. Okay. Well, that's a brand in America, the Hoover. But I sold these things called Kirby's. Have you heard of Kirby vacuum cleaners? Okay. Well, they were crazy expensive. It was like $1,400 for a vacuum cleaner. Um, but, but here's what we would do. Like, I, we weren't selling any. So I was with my, my, uh, my sales partner. And one day he goes, he goes, let's do something different this next house. I go, what do you want to do? He goes, let's pretend you don't speak English. <laughs> I go, well, <laughs> then what? He goes, you'll demonstrate the machine in Chinese, and I'll translate. And I'm like, you're white. You don't speak Chinese. He goes, 
don't worry, I'll fake it. And I trusted him because he was an awesome liar. And, uh, but we go to this house, right? I remember the first time, we had no idea. We're just making up, a, you know, I take the vacuum out of the box and I just start going, you know. And he would start making things up like he says, oh, it's a New Year's model. And you ever been in a place where you're just wanting to laugh so badly, but you can't even crack a smile, right? And, and you know, so this whole thing is just hilarious to me. I'm dying inside. And then, but then came the moment when the lady looked at my, my partner, Ted, and he goes, hey, Ted, ask him something for me. And I thought, oh, no. We didn't think through this far. She goes, hey, ask him, you know, whatever, how many brothers and sisters he has. So Ted looks at me, he goes, chong, chong, chong. <laughs> he, he just starts making this noise, right? I immediately fall on the ground laughing. I can't hold it in. That was the dumbest thing I've ever heard. He just made whatever noise came to. But the lady looks at us and she goes, what's so funny? And he goes, oh, I just told him a joke. And we just kept going. Because it was the craziest thing. And then there was one point when Ted left to go to the bathroom. He leaves me alone with this lady. And this lady's just looking at me going, hello. You know? And so I'm just going, uh, hello, hello, you know. And she would start pointing to things like chair. And I'm just like, oh, I need them to get back. I'm just going, uh, chair, chair. You know, and she's pointing things in her house. Ted comes back from the bathroom. She goes, look what I taught Yun Fan, you know. And uh, she points to stuff, and, and I go, hello, chair. You know, and, I mean, it was the craziest, craziest thing. But then at the end, he starts telling her how much I've been struggling in America, you know, and just lays on this whole lie about how I'm sending money back to China and this and that. And then when, when she asked how much the vacuum was selling for, he said $2,000. And she bought it. So we made an extra $600 over our $400 commission. We made like $1,000 in a couple hours. And he looked at me afterwards. I mean, we're laughing hysterically. He goes, this works. And we start doing this at every house. <laughs> Seriously. And just getting people to feel so-, so that's what I did. And then at night, I would teach the Bible. <laughs> but in my mind, it's like, I, I did, church was almost like a game to me. In a sense that, well, the people at church don't know what I'm like. And so I was living these two different lives, and, but that's just a little glimpse of, of, did I believe in him? Absolutely, I do believe I believed in him. But then something changed. Something changed that got me so serious about the way I prayed, the way I lived, everything. I saw God. One day I saw God. Now, I don't mean like he came down physically, you know, I was like, hello, you know, like. But I mean, I, I, I read some descriptions about God in the scriptures, and I'm like, what? 
No one ever told me that. Man, I was in church and people would tell me to believe in him, pray to him, but they never described him to me. And I remember reading some of these descriptions and it freaked me out. Man, I, all I knew of Jesus, you know, when I would think about him, I would just see those pictures on the wall, a guy with long blonde hair playing with sheep, you know. And I was told, oh, he's your best friend. And that, that's kind of all I knew. But then I started reading the Bible. I'm going, you've got to be kidding me. Man, do you, do you know like when Moses asked God, can I see you? God says, no. No man can see my face and live. Did you know that? Did you know that if, if God tore the roof off of this and, and he let us look into heaven and, and we could see him right now, we would just all immediately die. See, the Bible says, I always thought of God maybe as similar to me, but maybe a little bigger. Right? I don't know what you picture, but for me, I thought maybe those pictures on the wall of Jesus, maybe this, 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 this. But then I read the Bible, and I'm going, wait a second. The Bible says he's not like me. Even though I was made in his image, the Bible says he's holy. That means he's different. He's set apart. Like if we were to look at him, we would die. See, that's not normal. Okay? That's what he says. I'm holy. No one can see my face and live. And this is so important. The other thing he said to Moses, because Moses says, well, well who, what do I, remember what he, he said when uh, Moses says, who should I say sent me? What's your name? Does anyone know what God said? I am. Yeah, that's right. He says, I am who I am. He says, I am who I am. He did not say, I am whatever you think I am. Whatever you feel in your heart. He says, no, I am who I am. He describes himself. He says, and I'm a holy God. In fact, no human being could even look upon me and live. In Timothy, it says that he dwells in unapproachable light. Like, I couldn't see him right now. I would die. And he right now is determining whether he's going to give me another breath. Everything. What does that do to you? To know that there's someone like that right now who's watching you, who's watching me. See, what it does to me is I'm going, okay, man, do I want you to like me? Of course I want you to like me. But that's so secondary. Right now, it's like, God, I want you to be pleased with everything I say, everything I do. I want to draw all attention to you. When I got a picture of God, it changed everything. Let Let me, um, I want to tell you guys a secret. I'm Chinese. I know. It's blowing your minds right now. Um, about five foot nine and I'm Chinese. Okay. Now you could leave here and go, mm, I think he's Irish. And someone else say, no, I think he's Nigerian. And uh, we have people from Nigeria here? Oh, wow. Are you kidding me? Wow. Okay, but I'm not Nigerian and I'm not Irish. I'm Chinese. About five foot nine, Chinese guy. Now, what if you walk out these doors and go, I don't believe him. I think he's a seven foot, 300 pound Nigerian. 
And then someone else walks out and goes, no, I think he's about a four-foot Irishman. And you have this discussion outside. No, I think Francis is Nigerian. I think he's Irish. I think he's 300 pounds. I think he's four foot tall. And then someone comes along and says, you know what? You're both right. As long as you believe it in your heart. (laughs) Okay. You'd say, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Well, that's exactly what your generation does with God. I think he's like this. I think he's like this. Well, I believe this in my heart, and I believe this in my Okay, well, everyone's right. Whatever you think about God in your mind is right. That doesn't make any sense. God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he says, I'm a holy God. And you can walk out of here and go, well, I don't believe that in my heart. That's fine. Okay, you want to leave here and believe I'm Irish? Go for it. I'm just telling you, I'm not. And here's what God is doing with Moses. He's saying, look, let me tell you who I am. And Moses, come on, just let me see your face. He goes, you can't see my face and live. But every once in a while, once in every great while, he allows a human being to actually see some sort of veiled glimpse of him. And, and one day I was actually reading one of those descriptions of a guy named Isaiah who got to see God, whether it was in a vision or a dream, or we're not totally sure, but he got some glimpse. We knew it couldn't just be the real face-to-face because he would have died. But it says, I want to explain his description, what he saw, because this is what changed my life. See, I used to just casually in my bed go, hey, God, thanks for the day. It was all, and I would just kind of fall asleep. How many have done that, honestly? Okay, how many of you have done this? I used to do this, where I'd fall asleep, and then I'd wake up later, and I'd think, did I say amen? <laughs> and so then I'll say, um, amen. You know, how many have done that? Okay. That is so stupid. Okay, I've done it too. But what were we thinking? That he didn't notice? <laughs> Seriously. I, I look back at that. I go, what was I thinking? What was I even doing when I prayed? That's the way I used to pray. After reading this passage and understanding what he was like, I can't do that anymore. Man, I get out of my bed. I get on my knees. And I just cannot even believe I'm in his presence. This passage changed me. I want to read it to you. Because Isaiah got to see him. I don't know what you think you'll see at the end of your life. Okay? We all get it. Life is short. This could be the last night for any of us. What do you think you're going to see when you face God? So I think a lot of people are going to have this rude awakening where they're going, I had no idea. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So he said, In the year that King Uzziah died, and this is very significant, because King Uzziah was a good military leader, and the, the country was kind of safe under him. You know, so when he died, everyone was like freaking out. It's kind of like when Trump was elected. 
You know, seriously, like we had so many people just terrified, like what's going to happen to our country? And I hear things are pretty crazy here too, right? And it was interesting that in the year that King Uzziah died, the prophet Isaiah got to see God on his throne. Because God was saying, look, it doesn't matter who's on the little throne there on the, on the earth. What matters is this throne. He's in charge of everything. And he says, in the year that when King Uzziah died and everyone else was terrified, he goes, I saw the Lord. And he says, he was sitting on a throne. So I don't know if when you think of God, you imagine him on a throne. But that's what the Bible says. In fact, if you would just erase for a moment all the thoughts you have of God. And let's go to the scriptures and say, what does he say? It doesn't matter what I think he might be like. What does the Bible say? Isaiah says, I saw him. He was sitting on a throne, but it wasn't a normal throne. It was high and lifted up, and his robe filled the entire temple. Okay, just imagine you walked into this tent tonight. Just just imagine, let's imagine you wandered in and you were by yourself. You walk in, and all you saw was a being, a person, who sat on this giant throne, and his robe filled filled the entire tent what would you do at that moment but but it it goes on he says i saw him he was on the throne high and lifted up and he says above him stood the seraphim these are these high angels because above the angel uh, above god were were these angels these seraphim and each had six wings With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. Okay, so Isaiah is taken. Again, we're not sure if it's a vision or what, but he's taken in the presence of God. He's saying, guys, this is what I saw. He was sitting on this giant throne. His robe filled the whole temple. And then there were these angels. Angels on either side. And they had six wings. And it says, with two of them, they covered their face. With two of their wings, they covered their feet. And with the other two, they were flying. So they are covered from head to toe. You see, even the high angels are covering up their faces, covering up their feet, and they're screaming, holy, 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 like this God is so far beyond us. We don't even think we're worthy to look upon him or to be looked upon by him. So they're covered head to toe, and they're screaming, holy, holy, holy. And Isaiah said, everything started shaking, and the whole place was filled with smoke. Okay, I gotta ask you, just try for 30 seconds right now to put yourself in Isaiah's shoes. Seriously, you by yourself, you walk into this tent by yourself, you see God on a throne, and you see these angels covering themselves up with all their wings. And screaming, holy, holy, holy. And then everything starts shaking and the temple starts filling with smoke. And my question to you is what would be the first words out of your mouth? Can you imagine how terrified you'd be? 
And my question is, is that how you feel when you pray? Like, do you ever take 30 seconds to even think about who you're speaking to before you pray? See, this is what got me out of my bed. I start thinking, oh my gosh, I, I just imagine God, because that's who we're talking to. Man, would you walk into that temple, see God in all of his glory, see the angels screaming at his holiness, and just kind of go, oh God, thanks for the day, and fall asleep? Right? And then say, oh, amen. No, I, I start thinking, man, I'm actually talking to someone when I speak. When I pray. That's who's listening to me. And so what I would do is I would just take a few minutes and, and just kind of clear my mind and go, oh my gosh, I'm in the presence of him. And when I pray, man, it changed everything. You know, an interesting verse I just want to turn to real quick is um, Hebrews. Listen to this. I, I, I only saw this a few years ago. I never noticed this. But in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, it says this. Listen to this verse. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Think about that. The Bible says when Jesus was on the earth, when he would pray, he says he would pray with these loud cries, with tears. And then that's the amazing part of that verse. It says, and Jesus was heard because of his reverence. I never knew that. I thought, well, Jesus was heard because he's Jesus. He's the son of God. But what the Bible emphasizes is, no, Jesus was heard because of his reverence. Like Jesus understood who he was speaking to. A lot of times we'll throw prayers up to God and go, oh, how come he didn't answer that? Well, were you reverent? God doesn't listen to every prayer. The Bible's so clear about that. He says, if you doubt, you're not going to receive anything. If you're praying for your own selfish motives, James says, you won't receive anything. He tells married men, that if, you, if, you're, if you don't honor your wife as a fellow heir of the grace of life, your prayers will be hindered. And he's saying Jesus was heard because of his reverence. And so i got to ask you, when you approach God, is there that reverence? I mean, what would, think about what would be your first words as you saw God? Just try to imagine yourself walking in this room. You see God on the throne. You see the angels screaming out his holiness. And he looks at you for you to say something. What do you say? Let me tell you what Isaiah said. Because Isaiah, it, it, it says what he says. Isaiah looks at him. He, in verse 5 he says, and I said, Woe is me, I am lost, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Okay, that, that doesn't sound real strong to you, 
But you've got to understand the word. When he says woe to me, it, it was like the strongest term he could use. So use your imagination. It was just like this. Oh. And then he says, when he says I am lost or I am ruined, that word in the Hebrew means I'm about to be destroyed. See, Isaiah got it. When he saw God, he's just like, oh, he's going to kill me. He says, because I know the things that have come out of my mouth. And all the people that are around me, I know what our life is like. And I just saw the king. See, Isaiah knew. He knew no human being can see God and live. But the first thing he was struck with was his own sinfulness. He goes, oh, I'm dead. The things that have come out of my mouth, which I'm, I'm, I'm betting some of you, that's the first thing that thought, came to your mind, right? If I saw God, I would think about all the things I've done wrong, right? You just think, oh my gosh, is he angry at this? Is he angry at this? I'm dead. See, the first thing that happens when we understand what God is like and we see his holiness, is we see our own sinfulness. And we go, oh man. But here's the crazy part. What happens after, Mo, after uh, Isaiah says, I'm dead? It says, then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. That's crazy. Isaiah's going, this is it. This is the end. He's going to kill me. And this angel comes over and touches his lips with this coal. Because Isaiah was saying, my lips are dirty. He cleans it. He says, no, your sin's forgiven. Your sin is atoned for. Like someone's going to pay for this. It's covered over. You can be made one with God. This is what we've been talking about during the week. Is how we can be forgiven. Notice, Isaiah doesn't try to cut a deal with God and say, God, okay, if you don't kill me right now, here's what I'll do for you. No, he, he, he understood, man, we have no bargaining power with God. Man, it blows my mind, the arrogance with which some people talk about God. People will tell me, I'm so mad at him. When I get to heaven, man, I got some questions for him. And I read this and I go, oh, okay. <laughs> Tough guy, huh? You're just going to walk up to his throne. Get your 12 wings out of here. I got some questions. Are, are you kidding me? You have questions for him. No, what you do, what we need to do is to have that posture of Isaiah just going, God, there's nothing I can do for myself. I know I'm guilty. And it, that's the start. That's when you can be forgiven. That's what happens with Isaiah when he admitted his guilt, his need for forgiveness. Then the Lord comes and cleanses his lips and says, your sins atone for. And then he heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And then I said, here am I. Send me. See that picture there? Isaiah understood. There's a holy God up there. And I deserve to be punished by him. 
and yet he's offering me forgiveness. And then when God says, I need someone to go for me, Isaiah goes, send me. I shouldn't even be alive. Man, I'll do anything for you after what you've done for me. Here's what I want to do tonight. Um, I want to give you a chance to pray. Because I'm telling you, this is what changed my life was when I understood reverence for God. When I understood, like, those holy angels, man, they're screaming. Like, if, if one of those angels flew down right now, what, what you guys don't know me, maybe I could pray to God and say, God, could you have one of those angels come down with the six wings? What if I had one of them come into this room? What would you do? <laughs> you would scream, right? Pass out, run. But what are these angels doing? They're screaming, holy, holy, holy. They're saying, we're nothing. You would be terrified of us, but we're nothing. This one on the throne, he's the one that's holy. And I want to give you a chance to just come before God and to think about who he is before you talk to him. Because this is, this is what changed my life. I didn't just picture some little blonde guy with sheep. I didn't picture a little old man sitting in a chair. I thought about who he was. And I closed my eyes. And with reverence, I prayed to him. And my hope is that from here on out, when you pray, you would at least take 30 seconds and think about who you're speaking to before you talk to him. Because you live in a time when people just want to believe whatever they want about God. And I'm saying we're not, we don't have the freedom to do that. Don't believe everything you think. Look at what the scriptures say about this God. In fact, right now, could you just bow your heads for a moment? bow your heads just as you breathe recognize that every breath is a gift from God and he could end it at any moment and for a moment Right now, just forget that anyone else is in the room. Just pretend, forget all your friends, everyone else is here, forget about that. Just imagine you are in this room alone with God. Picture yourself walking in this room and seeing God on his throne. High and lifted up and the train of his robe filling this whole place. Imagine the angels 
screaming, holy, 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 and everything is shaking and the place is filled with smoke. And then God looks at you. What would be the words that would come out of your mouth? Say those words to him now. Think about who he is and just start talking to him. He's listening to you right now. Father, we come into your presence right now. Yes, God. It's an honor to be in your presence. God, forgive us for all the times when we just casually talk about you. We casually speak about you with so much arrogance. God, we're so sorry. I pray that you would raise up a new generation that has reverence for you, that understands your holiness, God. That we'd respect your commands. That we'd understand the brevity of life. God, we cannot, it's so hard to believe sometimes that a God that powerful, that holy, would send his son and die for us and that you actually want us and that you love us. If this holy God is for us, who can be against us? God, open our eyes to your holiness tonight. that we don't dare draw attention to ourselves but we join with those angels just telling you how holy you are. We're going to sing to him but keep that picture in your mind. Don't just transition and start singing songs Think about God in heaven, sitting on his throne, and from your heart, sing these praises to him. This is what makes worship awesome. It's not having a great band, it's the object of our worship. We picture him on his throne, and we sing these praises to him now.